Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Yes, we are. Bill Kipper and Bourne back in one piece after our excellent adventure to Scotiabank Arena. Yeah. Team outing. Woo. We had a we had a road trip. <laughs> we did. It was great. Sammy, are you okay? Uh, marginal at that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Those we're gonna get, hit different, boys. We're going to get into a ton, but uh, no, not too much different from your experience when you go to the game with uh, Ali, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just exactly the same. No differences. No differences. No differences. That was that was uh, a level of swankiness and uh, uh, financial means. I think. Yeah, it was that, that awesome. I well, don't have. We we, awesome. we found a buddy of mine. Uh, our thanks to Gibby. Shout out Gibby. Gibby. What a guy. I Gibby. Like, I like Gibbo better than Gibbo. <laughs> I call him Gibbo. But. Uh, good friends of mine, Michael as well. Yeah. Uh, we got to hang thanks, out with thanks. them. They're they're in a different bracket. They're in a different category. <laughs> We got to uh, hang out. Uh, wonderful dinner at Modus off, uh, off King, spot. King Street to our... Uh, and I got to be honest with you. You're not the original Sammy. We met the original Sammy last night at Modus. Yeah, he's a good guy. Seemed like he knows some people who know some people, that guy. Were you okay with your, your pasta? Yeah, it was spectacular. It was all spectacular. Some I, stuff you couldn't pronounce, a little seafood. I ended have, up in Drake Shirt Club at one point. I have something that I was blown away by, Kipper, and I shouldn't be blown away by this. But, you know, doing this show, I, I, I've come into a modest, modest, modest level of, level of celebrity. You know, like I've been recognized maybe three times in two years that we've been doing this show together. Walking... Does that from, include police looking for you? <laughs> okay. Walking through the Scotiabank Arena lobby with you, I honestly felt like I was with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, stop it. <laughs> honestly, no. no. Hey, yeah. How many pictures did you take last night? In, in, in the Titanic when he sunk? Is, <laughs> no. that, is that what you're talking about? I, I came out from, like, the, the our seats, and I saw, like, a group of guys going up the escalator screaming. I'm like, what are they screaming about? And Kipper's at the bottom, you're like, yeah, boys! It's like, what is happening? <laughs> So yeah, Kipper, I didn't. I, I knew you were famous, but I didn't know how. I didn't yeah. exactly know how famous you were. Yeah, well, I'm game. passing the torch. <laughs> to I think I bypassed you, and I'm just going right to Sammy <laughs> yeah, with the torch. JB, fine. are you okay with that? No, that's better for me. It's too much pressure you're, to carry. You're closer it. to forty. You're closer <laughs> right. to my age Coming right now quick. than Sammy. Uh, uh, I will say, and just you know, so Kipper's buddies. You have five seasons, and they are separate. Three in one place, two in another. And they said, you and Sammy take these two to start the game. I played goal in the first period. I don't know if you saw me for, for the Islanders, but we're like you're six six rows ahead of us. We're right behind the net. And the Leafs had the puck for the first eight minutes yes. of the first period. It was tilted. I mean, it felt like we were an option. It was like, Mitch, Mitch, we're behind the net. I got, you know, like, I didn't, it was didn't dish an, it. But. Absolutely electrifying eight minutes of hockey that was from awesome. the yeah. Maple Leafs. Yeah. And they didn't score a goal. I, I And I listen, I... I I was fortunate enough to play what uh, close to 450 games at, at the, in the best league in the world, and now I sit in those seats, six, eight rows up from ice level, and I marvel at watching guys like uh, Marner uh, come in over a blue line and then turn up and, and pivot and turn and look at three more options that he never had a split second before. Barzell, yeah, watching him wind up with those first three or four strides at that level yeah. is 
mind-boggling. It is funny, too. Usually when you're separated from the play, like if you sit high above, you, you can see the options a guy has, and you're yeah. like, oh, well, you can see this is coming. When you're down there, you get a sense for how through the weeds it is for the guys, yeah. the forest of players, and you don't see the options that they find with the same view that you have yeah. is when you really go, oh, that's a so different level of talent. Was it in the first period where you watched, uh, like, Marner do his Marner thing, and then... You had the puck Hull, for a minute in then, a row. And then Hall... <laughs> Like picked him, he picked him, yeah, and it bounced off about you know six feet away from him, yeah. But that closed up in a big hurry, yeah. And and just there's there's not that much room out there. There's no. way more room when you're sitting in either the press box or yeah. or in Sammy's greens. And you're reminded of the randomness of you know the puck is spinning and it's you know in the puck battles and you chop at it like how much randomness there is in a lot of that stuff. Couple takeaways just from being at ice level that. Yeah, you know, maybe I wouldn't have thought of for a while. Being at that level, uh, Pierre Engvall pissed me off because <laughs> there's no way you can be that big and that fast and shoot it as hard as he does and be less impactful. Like I understand he had a pretty good game last night, but just watching the first so pissy? Sam and I were like, just skate into the guy. You're a giant. It's frustrating. Go ahead. No, I would say that it's a frustrating lack of con- uh, contact. From the right. Toronto Maple Leafs. I, you know, grew up watching hockey and guys hitting each other. And the Leafs got hit a lot last night, I thought. I thought that the, the aisles were just bigger than them in a lot of facets. Guys got lit up a little bit here and there. But they just never throw a check. And when you see, like you said, Engvall flying into the zone, you're like, oh, my God, that guy's going to put someone through the boards. And then he just immediately stops. It's frustrating. Deploys the parachute, slows down, yeah. They're, they're, they were never built like what you're tr- describing right now. It's, no, it's never been that, his style. You know, sometimes you, you go, okay, you want more out of him and and hit more, but it, it doesn't appear like he's, he's, he's been never coached going to that way. That. He's not coached that way. He was never brought in that way. And this is just more of a philosophy of, of the hockey club than it is probably the individual. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I've seen. Like They're not built that way. Yeah. And you know what's funny is the complete opposite from him is a guy like Bunting who you see in person and he's smaller and he's not as fast. And you realize how much he gets accomplished with his brain because he's not physically gifted the way that someone like Engvall is. The other guy we noticed, obviously, Willie Nylander. I mean, when he's really chugging out there, like you could balance a glass of water on his helmet. Just a straight laser unbelievable he struggle. had that it's, shot off the bottom of the bar that's like how does a goalie yeah. ever stop that he, he is the guy that like on a on a on a weekend cbs is breaking down his swing constantly oh yeah and the look it is at the level perfect that's exactly right that's right there's parallel. not many mistakes when he he's rory swing right you're like is. oh that's how you do it perfectly yeah he just a laser out there and he had that one shot that sorokin didn't even touch he put off the bottom of the bar so Impressive player, too. The whole thing, really really cool to see you like that. Unfortunately, as we said, 3-2 loss, a game that uh, was in hand. Uh, before we go into greater detail, let's just get uh, Sheldon Keefe's thoughts uh, on, the, on the game and, and where the point, the extra point, was lost. Yeah, we played a good hockey game. We deserved better. Uh, played, you know, Close to perfect third period too, and who made a mistake, and that's the difference. Um, <laughs> who who made the mistake? We 
We did. <laughs> the team. The collectively. We publicly, behind the scenes. You. <laughs> the team that was down two D-men playing perfect defense against a good team. Them. Ah, oh, man. Is this the hockey gods balancing out what Chalgren was able to do in the first 20 games with all the injuries to, to, yeah. to Matt Murray and, and Samsonov? Is this just going, hey, at the end of the day, he's your third string goalie. He is a minor league goalie right now. He's not a legitimate NHL goalie, right. and that's what eventually happens the longer this thing gets yep. drawn out. Yeah, he's not one of the 64 best goalies in the league or whatever the number is of guys who should be in the NHL. What? But you're, listen, I'll hear that if he's in the net and it goes under his arm. It's a different conversation totally when he's going out there. He's trying that's to make not, a, hey, It's a oh. Marty Berdour pass. Like, that's... What are you doing? Just stay in it the net. Is, he's had support. But, but if you just go on a bigger general scale... Giving up a bad goal is giving up a bad goal. You're paying the price okay. for having the 65th best guy it's in. Just a, a guy bad, who's not. It's a bad goal to give up. He's had a few on a occasion. He's gotten away with giving up a bad goal in Carolina to start that game. You remember that one? I do. And you still found a way to get a W. But that stuff catches up to you. And he is... He, he he's more on the scale of giving up a bad goal a game than he is uh, standing on his head. You're because you have to play your third goalie, and uh, you, because you have a third goalie up, you're behind. Because you have to play him as much as you do, because your starting goalie is hurt often, you're really behind, and it's cost them points. It cost them a point against Pittsburgh. You remember the one that went through him against the Penguins? That one goes to OT. You know, this one goes through him essentially. They go to OT again. You end up paying the price, and frankly, the OT winner. It's a great shot and a great play, but it's the Zegras OT winner all over again. It's the same goal where it's a left-hand shot from the left side that beats you far high glove. You know, no lesson learned there. So, yeah, you pay a price for having uh, Schalgren in and, instead of, you know, one of your guys. My point is. Yes, yes, yes. It's just a boneheaded if, play is your point. If yeah. Sheldon Keefe, if you had to give him the true serum, what he would rather see in a 2-1 game, it's a wrister from the sideboards beating him clean as opposed to your third or fourth string goalie going on a walkabout and shoving one into the slot. Yes, that's, you're right. Thank yeah, you. we, we that's don't, all I wanted to hear. We, we, we don't need you to it's do a, too much. Just stop just the hockey puck when it comes your way. goal to give up for, from, from his perspective. Yeah. A, a, one we've seen in the past, but this one, this one legitimately cost your team one point in the standings. Right, so that takes you to overtime. By the way, before we do anything on overtime, big picture for me, the Leafs were way better than the Islanders last night. Like, I test, you check out the fancy stats, expected goals yeah. both ways. Like, that's a hockey game. They deserve yeah. two points. I thought they played better. You too? Um, Not enough for you to say no, it should have been two? Everything you're saying is correct. But, again, if I'm, I'm looking big picture stuff, it's just not an, another example of a team with no killer instinct to put a team away. And I'm watching Yarnmark, uh, Yarn Crook, sorry. Uh, with a, I wish he was Yanmark. With a uh, primo opportunity late in the third period, yeah. in the slot, one where we've seen before success, mm -hmm. hit the net. Yeah, put the game away, and don't even don't even put Chalgren in a position to give up that bad goal that we're talking about. Yeah, and I, yeah, tell me that the numbers were great. Tell me this. Tell me that. 
you need to bury them last night. It you doesn't need, have you, to be a one-goal win, to your point. like You, you don't have you to win 2-1. You can win 5 you, you tilted the ice enough. Yeah. Put them away. This has been a don't, flaw. There's that finish. Don't. Now we're into, like, uh, teams that you either underestimate or you just can't put them away. Mm-hmm. And last night was just another example for me. I don't, I don't care what the, the metrics say. Mm-hmm. What I care is... Did you could you could just stomp on their neck? Yeah, and they didn't. No, they can't. You know they they haven't shown an ability to do that. They can certainly play with anyone and outplay most teams. They outplayed the Islanders, but yeah, they haven't shown that they're good enough to just create runaway separation from other good teams. And then Sorokin gives the Isles a couple of saves. The the Leafs don't get, and you go to OT. Now that should be no problem, right? You got Matthews, you got Marner, you got Nylander, you got Tavares. He from. Your view last night behind the net, mm-hmm. God, he's got some nice movement. He He's really sure of oh, himself. Sorokin. Sorokin. Oh, yeah. Quiet. And never, never over-pushed. Like, he's just kind of square. He's to the post. He's, it's not desperation lunging. And a really um, TV timeout uh, ritual that was, uh, yeah, a little strange. <laughs> what does he do? I don't know. He just kind of, he's like a turtle, man. He just... <laughs> disappears in this, like, he just covers his head and he just buries it. And Sam and I were too busy watch watching Wilford Brimley shovel the snow around the crease. <laughs> this whole guy, I don't know. I loved him. That's, uh, yeah, that's hashtag goals. That's, yeah, the, that's the career I want when I'm done with this. Push snow around the no, crease. No, but he was like in a little ball. He was in a little ball. Yeah, his head buried. I didn't see that at all. But okay. very impressive. Focused. Yeah, no, very impressive. Uh, you know, we had Butch on yesterday, Butch Goring, who said that some people think he's better than Shesterkin, which that sounds like high praise to me. Maybe excessive. Uh, I mean, having sat behind the net. <laughs> You're buying in. He looks better than me. I don't know. I haven't seen yeah. Shesterkin from that close. What did we think of, uh, and this is moving forward, going to be the hottest topic, and, of course, the Morgan Riley. Uh, Leafs have yeah. him on long-term injury because of a collision with uh, Paul Murray. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not the one that we saw earlier uh, when it came to uh, Austin Matthews and uh, uh, Oliver Wallstrom. Wallstrom. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Sandine. Well, as Sandine comes in, gets about 16,000, 18,000 people on their feet, including our... Our boy Sammy, <laughs> loving every second of that. I did give him a little. I give him a little uh, standing look golf, golf clap. clap. Yeah, it was he deserved it. But uh, the energy off of it was like holy moly. We're we're uh, we're not used to seeing that. You know what's funny too is not, like, not, not just from Sandine, from yeah. anybody on the team. Yeah. Well, it's what's funny is like he sees the hit and he didn't like come in like gloves to the ceiling like I'm gonna get this guy. He kind of came over and pawed at Wallstrom and Wallstrom was like, "Yeah, you know, is that what you want to do?" Wallstrom six two two ten punching downhill at uh, at poor Sandine there. Noble, noble cause getting in there for your teammate. Before we get into uh, Morgan Riley, uh, let's get Sheldon Keefe's thoughts on uh, Wallstrom's hit on Austin Matthews. It's knee on knee. So, I mean, it speaks for itself. You, to me, you look at you look at the penalty that Austin had called on him. I think we know that he threw and he didn't even throw a hit the last game and got penalized for it because it was deemed unsafe. And I mean, it, he doesn't get that call, so I, I don't know. The 
They got to protect the stars. Anytime you, your teams. <laughs> Officiating. Um, <laughs> on the receiving end of those borderline knee-on-knee hits. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're 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 you gonna see that. it. You're gonna see it one way, and I mean, I don't blame Sheldon for you saying that. Uh, I didn't see enough to say that that warrants a suspension. If that's what no. you're asking me, well, no. Would I have gone? Would Did, I have pulled a Sandine? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, one hundred percent. To me, I don't even want you looking at Austin sideways. That's one hundred percent what it is. It's not that he stuck out his knee and tried to, you know, ruin his career or anything. It's get your knee out of the way. It's Austin Matthews, and I understand that Sandine is not the one to drive that point home to Oliver Wallstrom, but at least you know that the Leafs don't want you to do that sort of thing to their star player. Even if you got to fight Bunting or Giordano or Sandine, it's good to let teams know that you will have to fight someone for trying for taking a liberty on your star player. It's a violent collision. Yeah. They're, the Leafs are lucky he's okay. Honestly, that was a bad one. Like, it was over the middle, and it looked bad in the moment. And seeing replays, it looked bad. Like, it, that's definitely one that could put a guy out long term. Yeah. And I don't think, like, I think you mentioned that it wasn't, like, necessarily a, a shot or it was dirty. It was just kind of two bang-bang guys. But it was, it was violent. It was a violent collision. All right, we got a lot more than the Morgan Riley Palmieri uh, collision. <laughs> yes. And yet, Palmieri stays down. Morgan gets up, and you're thinking, Palmieri, the Islander, got the worst of it. Yeah. And here we are. Less than 24 hours later, Morgan Riley has been placed on long term injury reserve. And uh, Leaf Nation is wondering what the heck is our blue line going to look like tomorrow night in yeah. New Jersey. Sammy said that their uh, their payroll for the 6D tomorrow is $7.1 million. You know, that's like Muzzin was making 5-6, Brody's 5, Riley's 7-5. Mac Hollowell and Victor Mete called up. Did Victor Mete slap Sheldon Keefe in the mouth? How come he's he's not in and Mac Hollowell's in? If if one climbs on the other one's shoulder, do they get past six feet? <laughs> they wear a trench coat and play as one. Can they? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, can they? You know. We got them some stilts or something. <laughs> Is this now not the smallest blue line in the National Hockey League? Yeah, Lilligren, six. Sandine, 5'11". Hollowell's 5'9". Who else is in there? Geo's under six or six. Ish. Yeah. I'm calling it right now. Hall's tall. He is tall. He's tall. Six two. Three. Six three. Yeah. He, he, is he the only one? Yeah. Well, Jamie Ben or Jordy Ben, what's he? Jordy Ben, on? six one. Yeah. Mm. Boys, I'm telling you, even with your Hall and Jordy Ben, yeah. you're gonna be hard pressed to find a smaller blue line. Yeah. Well, it's not your blue line. This is not the plan. They're on the, I know, the but HL it, team. I'm here. just telling you and they are now nine, eight, nine in depth. Yeah. Yeah, they're we. Nobody nobody has the ability in the National Hockey League today to go to their ninth defenseman on no. the depth chart and, I, and think. Can I play devil's advocate with this decor for a second here? Please. They're missing their three best players. Yes. Thanks, and, Tips. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> it still doesn't look. Like if you're, it doesn't look that bad. Geo Hall, Sandy Lilligren, Ben Hollowell. Ben Hollowell is the only one where you go, ah, it's not part of the plan. No, but like, I, you know, I think it is a bit of a, you know, we're hard on Dubis a lot, but like, I think it's a bit of a testament that he has acquired some depth well, to this score. They're not unplayably bad when you're losing your three best guys. Well, I'm glad you're here. You're, Sammy. you're, 
you're buying into the Sheldon Keefe uh, Kool-Aid right now. Hold on. Before you go to Sheldon Keefe on this Kool-Aid, can I tell you, I talked to uh, a few people yeah. on who watched the American League, and I asked for scouting reports on Mac Hollowell. Okay. And can I tell you what the consensus that Speedy. I've come up with? Speedy. Yeah, sure. But okay. here, here was the words that I heard. Plays like Justin Hall, but small. <laughs> I thought I'd see if I could. We just we just lost three quarters of our leaf. Listeners not good. You know, but the point is, he defends with his feet. He breaks the puck out. Everything he does with is with his feet, right? He gets around the rink. Not a physical guy, but you know, brain and feet. Okay, Sammy, where where are we going to start with Sheldon Keefe talking about uh, either? Let's do the decor question from last night. Okay, the one where he got asked about yeah, from last night. Like you say, when we're already missing guys, and, and Morgan is so important to our team and to our back end in particular, you know, but, you know, we lose Muzzin, we made a big deal of it, wasn't a big deal. Brody made a big deal of it, wasn't a big deal. Just got to keep playing. That's, that's the way it goes. <laughs> <laughs> we can find replacements. That's why it's not a big deal. For everyone. We're not saying that they're any good, but you, you can't fill a <laughs> uniform up. Yeah. It is interesting to be like, yeah, we lost Brody. We thought it was a big deal. Not a big deal. So like, let me stop you there. Hold on. <laughs> no, know? let's just start a, uh, like a legitimate shutdown guy yeah. in Muzzin. Yeah. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. It's a They're huge all deal. big deals. Yes. Sure. And I fully agree with you there. So I get if you're the coach, your job is to coach the team, convince them that they are fine and... People read what you say. You can't go out there and go, oh, my God, you're screwed. Your team is terrible. Like, you can't. So he said what he had to say. I don't know. Can you outright disagree with him? I mean, yes, you can. But can you disagree with him saying that? Listen, if they rally, if they find a way to, I don't know, grind it out, uh, we're going to come back and we're going to say we were wrong, he was right. I mean, that's that's what we're down to. Right? Yeah. They were doing okay. I don't know. <laughs> Australia scored against France, right? Go Socceroos. <laughs> Anything can happen. That's my World Cup. Uh... Still only 2-1 for, uh, for France. They're hanging in there. I know. What a day. All right. So maybe that's what he's going by. Be the Saudis. Be the... Uh, <laughs> Hold on. Un- wait, wait, wait. Let me... Don't be, do that. Be the underdog. <laughs> it came out differently than you expected. <laughs> yeah. Be the underdog. some issues. Uh... Let, let's get uh, Sheldon's thoughts on uh, Hollowell. Yes. Uh, we just think it's it's time. I mean, he's putting his time in, in the minors. Uh, obviously, we have Mete here as well, and, and we've we've played him, and he'll come on the road with us and be available to us. But, you know, it's uh, when you get into a situation like ours with the, the injuries that we have, and really you could add Carl Dahlstrom to that as well as a, another uh, option for us that, that we're playing without. Uh, you know, you got to give a guy like him an opportunity to go. I think he's played well for us in preseason. He's been up here a number of times previously to practice with us, and he's very comfortable around our group. So I think all things considered, it's a, it's a really good chance for us to get him in and, and allow him to use his, his speed and his ability to move the puck in, in an NHL environment. All right, I so, no follow-up on that. I mean... We think it's time. <laughs> we <laughs> like, have no choice. Yeah, we, we have no choice. <laughs> we know it's time. We are out of right? bodies. Yeah. Hey, and, you know, not to, you know, uh, 
I, I want to see the PC thing, like when his mom and dad are listening and be like, yeah, let's give him a chance here. But Just like, give me a chance. <laughs> Just give me a chance. <laughs> and that's, hey. And let, let the record show. I will backtrack some Dennis Mulligan takes. From start of the season where I was like, I just don't see what he can do when he doesn't score. He's been Malgin right out of the league. <laughs> bad, bad day for that because he's out of the lineup for an eight, so. He is. He is. He's scratched, yeah. 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 Robertson, back in. Yep. So oh, speaking they, of the decor. They, they announced that already? Yeah. Speaking of the decor, we got clips on uh, from Sheldon on a couple of guys who are still going to be in, who are going to play a bigger role. Uh, one of them, the guy we talked about earlier, fighting. Um, why don't we hear from Sheldon on him and weigh in on, on Sandine? Huge opportunity there for him, not just him, everybody, but, you know, with Rasmus in particular, uh, you know, uh, increased opportunity on the power play, uh, more minutes. Um, and I think it's everything you want as a young player, you know, so uh, you know, look to take advantage of it and all of those things. Uh, you know, as it relates to Rasmus specifically, I think in the last few games I've seen a real uptick in his play. I think he's starting to show way more confidence with the puck and, and uh, obviously, you know, he steps in with the fight and stuff last night. I think that's all sort of, you know, different things that add to your swagger a little bit. Um, and aside from the, the fight, I think he's just really shown a lot more confidence in his overall play lately. So it's, it's good timing in that sense. I think he's in a better place now than he was even a week ago. And uh, you know, obviously he's going to get lots of, lots of opportunity here. Everything you want if you're a young player and everything you might not want as an older coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, it's not perfect. Not perfect. But I I do think that, again, we're talking about him trying to, like, knowing his team hears him. I try to project some confidence onto Sandine. You know, I think I've seen a bit more confidence. Have you? I don't think he looks yeah, much different I, to me. I, they've really made it abundantly clear that this is a, you know, despite the hiccups, he's a confident kid. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I like the fact that maybe. he went after Wall Street. Maybe did not hesitate. Yeah. So that gives you some idea of maybe the, the confidence that he does carry. Yeah. Uh, that ch- I, it wasn't that long ago. I, we saw a good upside with him and we had a much, uh, we had him deeper on the depth chart than Lilligren. Mm-hmm. And we know that's changed now that, uh, that Lilligren has surpassed him. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's there. Morgan Riley now. That's it. Well, Boys. he's going to get PP one time, which is great. I really am looking forward to seeing their power play with Sandine and just seeing if he can be a better distributor, shoot the puck a couple times. The other thing is, and you probably wouldn't have experienced this very much, but being a guy who doesn't fight much or didn't fight much when I played, when I did fight and I came in the locker room, yeah. Boys love it, right? Like everyone is like it's back pass, yes. and every you know everyone is all over you. Level of respect goes up yeah. a notch in it, that dressing room. There is like a, a thing there where you you leave the game feeling good, even yeah. if it didn't go great. You had you showed that you had the courage to get in there and try. Yeah. And I, I I feel like you can build on that. That's like you know I was also I, mad at Nick. I I agree with you. I think that's an excellent point. You know I thought with you know when Nick Ritchie was here, I was like just yeah. do it, just get a couple of back pats and get feeling good about yourself. But maybe he'll get rolling. I, I don't think this is a necessarily a really bold prediction here. Not exactly a hot take, but I think the power play is going to look a lot better with Sandine. Yeah, you and I are on the Morgan Riley needs to stop handling the puck I, too much. Maybe, on the power maybe play this train. is maybe this is another prediction. Morgan Riley will not get on the when he comes back. Will not get on the hot take alert. Number one unit. Yes, yes. Uh, this, I like this it. is about to be fully <laughs> stolen from him by wow. Wally by Pitt Sandine. moment. He's just. Can you find me? 
seven and a half million dollar and up players in the league that aren't on the first power play. Can you no. do that for me, please? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not even a follow up. I cannot. Yeah. Not at this very moment. Not a I good mean, homework. Thing. Homework. If, I if your team is getting better and Morgan is not involved. In a in a power play, that's a miscalculation on your seven and a half. So large. maybe it's a miscalculation, but you can't play him just because you pay him. If you don't think he's the best guy, even by one percent, you know you got to have the best guy there. Yeah. So well, we'll, we'll that's see. A, that's a big ask out of uh, Sandine. It is to carry a, a team that's supposed to contend for a Stanley Cup on a power play. You know who's going to be on power play too? Mark Giordano. Now, the only thing I worry about, and I have always stipulated this from the moment they traded for him, is to not overuse him and not put him in a position to uh, look bad. I do worry about taxing this guy right out mm-hmm. uh, with the loss of Morgan Riley. Yeah, you know, he's a guy, though, that loves to play. He wants to be involved, and he wants the minutes. And actually, Sheldon talked about that a little bit, didn't he? Yeah, okay, let's let's, let's have Sheldon and then us. But it, every time I have a conversation with, with Gio, he's, he, you know, in terms of do you want days off? Do you want to miss some practices? He wants nothing to do with that. He wants to keep the engine firing. Um, and he tells us that he, the more he plays, the better he feels. Just He's a guy that's played in the league a long time and has a certain... Um, threshold that he likes to get to 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 stay in rhythm and feel good and and all of that and as he's gotten older his his minutes have gone down a little bit and at times he said that he it that affects him because he's used to playing more so it's the balance of of getting to that point where you're feeling engaged and you find real rhythm to your game then also making sure you have gas in the tank Uh, that's on us to manage with him but uh, he's a guy at this point that has shown to me no signs of slowing down yeah, there are signs of slowing down. And it it's fine if you're talking about a guy who still had a, a level of play that is reminiscent of his early to mid-30s, but it's he's not. So I, it I'm going to go to bat for him. It, I it, think he's been excellent. It, it has to be a new conversation. You don't think he's been... I think he's as good as he can be, yes. But it's still not good enough at times to be in positions on a foot races to go back to get the puck. Yeah, in the spot where he slots in on the third pair and he plays like 18 minutes and some of that's yeah. penalty kill and whatever, love yeah. him. Love him. I, that's the only thing. I, 800K? I, I'm with you. Great deal. I'm, I'm yeah. with you on every aspect, that you are getting as much as you can out of him now, but it's as a... 39, soon to be 40-year-old. It's mm-hmm. not what he's used to. So you cannot yeah. have the same conversation with him that he needs his minutes and he's felt great when he has more minutes. That was when you were a top two defenseman. For sure. The other aspect of that is he says that that's how he like, he feels his best and most engaged and yada, yada. Well, you've never been 39 before and you don't know what that's going to do to you when it's January and February and March. And I do think that there is some need to keep him at a minimal minute count as much as right now, looking at these pairs, Kipper Giordano hall is going to play 23 minutes tonight, tomorrow night. Yeah, they are. Yeah. You know, like that's, you can't trust Sandy Lilligren against against, the best lines in hockey against what we believe is the fastest team in the league right now. I mean, this is going into this matchup, this decor, the only thing I'll say is this decor can skate. 
you know, well, Giordano Hall, your mileage may vary there. But Sandy and Lilligren can skate. Hollowell can ben, skate. You want to throw and, Ben? Uh, all right. So half so of the skate. <laughs> half. Now you're down to half. Half can skate. No, there's some there's some real potential. You know what the problem here with this matchup is? What we talked about the other day with the Devils lineup, they get goals from all four lines. Yeah. So it's not like you can protect anyone. Yeah. It's not like you say, okay, Gio and Hall, you're playing Bergeron, uh, Marchand, and Pasternak. It's like, we don't know. We can't protect you because Bastion, McLeod, and whatever the other fourth liner is there, they those guys. Oh, Wood. Wood, who's huge and fast. Huge and fast. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, God. The Leafs are going to get eaten alive this week. <laughs> Stop it. Would you no, give him no, a no, chance? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Give them a but chance. But there is some concerns for the decor. What has to happen is their best forwards have to have the puck. They're going to have to have ozone possession time. Playing the, 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 When they played the Devils last, they played, what, the first five minutes really good yeah. in the Devils zone? It's got to look more like that, where you have it, you wait to see the whites of the goalie's eyes before you shoot, and you just have it. That's how you defend. Do you guys want to talk about three-on-three? Three? Yeah, is it definitely got to get to three-on-three three before we get to the break here. Why, is there and an issue there? What are we now, one and five. one and five for the Leafs? One and five. So just sorting the league by overtime losses. Yeah, most in the league, Leafs. Last year, most in the league again? Now, when when did Kyle, or I'm sorry, when did Sheldon, Sammy, talk about not probably putting enough emphasis on three-on-three hockey. Was that, was that last night? No, it was, it was, or was last, it, it was last Friday. Last Friday. Well, I have the clip. You want to hear yeah, it? Yeah, I want to hear this because I don't think we've talked about it. Well, there is a lot, there has been a lot of things for, that we've been trying to sort through as a team and feel like we've made a, a, a lot of progress in a number of areas that have put us in the position to get points and, and especially against really good teams and to win games here of late. But that's one that uh, clearly, because we haven't been on the right side of it, has got to be addressed. Normally for me, it's quite far down the list uh, because there's a lot of things that have to happen for you to even get an opportunity to be in that position. Uh, but clearly when it hasn't been going our way, here um it needs it needs some attention and and more uh more consistency in terms of how we handle that situation all right i have often referred to it as the pond hockey point Mm -hmm. but the pond hockey point could lose you home ice advantage and uh unfavorable first round matchup matters for sure but you know i i've seen on twitter some people being like uh what do you mean you haven't practiced it? Or, like, where is practicing that on your priority list? You know, between five-on-five five play and special teams. But there has and- to be, with all your analytics and all your doctors and bringing the chef and sleep doctor, like, there has to be some sort of plan for three guys out there. Yeah. How many times, and I'm kind of sick of watching it, but the regroup is the most important play. Yeah. Sometimes you gain the zone, and I'm like, you know how weird it looks to me that you've gained the zone in the game of hockey? You don't attack. And then you turn around and leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it, it's goofy. Yeah. But it's imperative that you get fresh legs on and you do not give up possession. Mm-hmm. And the Leafs at time have been so guilty of that. And again last night, missed... Two missed passes, yeah. Right on on their stretch. Willie passing. was great last night, but he threw uh, Matthews a couple grenades in OT. Like, <laughs> boom! <Yeah. laughs> he didn't have a the, chance. The first one, 
was a laser beam into the feet. Is that what it was? Yeah. Where he tried to do that play where he kind of kicks it up. Yeah. The second one was just a bit of a rolling puck, and Matthews kind of just took his eye off it for a second and and loved it. If you need to, like, rag it, you rag it. Mm -hmm. If you you need to, you play out the clock and like your chances in a shootout. You know, I I get the temptation with all that talent, though, to just throw caution to the wind and say these guys will be at least win half the games. It's not working. No. And you got to stop thinking like that, that you have to go out there and win it. Yeah. And I think there's pressure on Matthews and Marner to do that. Yeah. That they have to be the difference makers in overtime. And they push the envelope and it comes back and and bites them in the ass. Want to hear my theory on this? My theory is this is a team who historically has, anytime it can be easy, they let off the gas pedal, right? That's against easier teams, whatever. Anytime you think it's supposed to go easy, it doesn't. In overtime, I think this, this is a team that looks at it and says, we get to have it. We get to just have it and skate around, and we get to actually, it's going to be easy. We're, t- we're the talented team, and it doesn't feel like attack. And you mentioned, you know, you start on the rush, and you go, I don't like how it looks, and you come back. I don't, and then you miss a pass, and the other team has it, and they come down the net, and they shoot it in your net. Or come down the rink, and they shoot it in your net. Trevor Zegers, down the rink, he shot it in their yeah. net. Last night, two-on-two, cross-up, shoots it, they score. Like, there's no from the Leafs, it's all the swing back. And I don't know. They think it can be easy. They play it easy. That's the trend with this team. That's what I see. I think they got the yips. Put the T's in your left pocket. They just got the yips. Like, it's just. No, it's more than yips. They're yipping. They're overthinking everything (laughs) out there. They're overthinking everything. It's like when you're coming down with a chance to break 80 and you're chipping one from off the green. It's like you're just. Someone's been there before. Oh, yeah. But they're. I don't know. It's it doesn't make any sense, and you can coach it as much as you want. You can run it at practice, but Borny's right too. They're too too damn talented for this to happen. Like I know there's some organization to it or whatever. You can coach it as much as you want, but it is a skill on skill thing. And mm-hmm. it, they even, seem they're gripping the stick too tight. They're thinking about it. They're even yipping. A, a guy like Marner, it's almost as if Marner's better five on five than he is three on three. I'm which, you. which is really uh, well, what a strange thing him to say. Is his ability to do it in the weeds. And there's no weeds. Everyone can see him. They just back off him and say, you can't shoot it through us because that's just, not a strength of yours. Or just his, his, his natural instinct when, you know, things close up on him. Yeah. Which nothing closes up three, three on three. Yeah. It's, he just, they just leave him in the ocean of ice. It's not, it is, it, you know, maybe it, it doesn't quite work to their set of strengths. You know, Tavares lurker tends to tip in pucks and stand in front and battle it out. It could be that it's just but not it, to their I mean, skill sets. Willie's probably their best three-on-three OT guy. Yeah, I won't argue that. Has he, I think he scored a few OT winners last year, actually. Yeah, but... Including the one that switched their season around in Chicago when they yeah. were losing. I mean, McDavid has no problem looking like... He can he's <laughs> do it both ways. Best player on yeah. many planets. Yeah, Matthew should be better, but he's struggled all over the rink. He hasn't struggled. He's got nine goals on pace for 40, but that's struggling for him. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to get back into that conversation nope, again. No, I don't really but either. We're all in agreement. We got a good combo call today, I guess. Another game to wait for Matthews to kind of hit the, that that switch. We actually do have one more clip of Keith on three and three, or do we not want to? <laughs> okay, well, we'll okay, let's take a quick break uh, because we got the head coach of the New Jersey Devils after the break, Lindy Ruff. They're going after their 14th straight win. What's the record, Sammy? Uh, no idea. 17? I believe Keith, Keith Yandel said on Sportsnet last night that he thinks they're going to miss the playoffs, which was 
a take. He did Sarah Dern, okay. It was a take. He did say that. Wow. <laughs> they're, they're, they're four <laughs> games away from <laughs> NHL history. You're tying NHL history. Are we talking about the Penguins uh, setting the record with 17 straight? Sammy, research, bud. Doing it right now. During the break. And then we're going to have Lindy Ruff. We'll get his thoughts on uh, on getting close to a National Hockey League record. Yeah, bud. Okay. I'm Nick Kiprios. He's Justin Bourne. He's Sammy McKee, and we're all back after the break. This is Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Leafs off today. Heading towards New Jersey to see if anybody could stop the New Jersey Devils. Mm -hmm. Let's welcome in our next guest, head coach of the New Jersey Devils, who are looking for their 14th straight win. Uh, Lindy Ruff, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm well, gentlemen. How are you? You got the team in, like, bubble wrap or anything like that? Like, what what do you do do with them on an off day getting ready for the Leafs? Well, you know, we've played a lot of hockey and we've got a tough schedule, so uh, we use today as a off day, lift day, did a little uh, video review and and sent them home. And then the bubble wrap. And then the bubble wrap, yeah. Lindy, um, you know, been well documented. Those first two losses were, uh, I think you guys gave up 10 goals. I don't have to remind you what the fans felt uh, at that point. But then you, you polished three straight wins against Anaheim, New York, and San Jose. You lose to Washington, and then something special starts with a win over Detroit. 6-2. Is there anything early where you could certainly not see a 14-game winning streak, but something that really said to you, we've turned a corner? Well, I, I can just tell you, we had a we had a real good training camp. Um, we had a good preseason. We didn't like our game against Philly. Uh, we had lots of chances to score, but, but gave up... Uh, what we felt was too many opportunities. The game against Detroit was a was really a game that we liked, but uh, we didn't take the opportunities to score. And um, you know they got some they got some fortunate and ended up that I felt we could have easily won. So you know we really just stayed with the program. Um, we got better results in, in game three, and um, we've put together just a real good run, but there hasn't been a lot. Uh, that changed after game one or two uh, and really it felt that it, it started from day one in preseason uh, with our preseason contest. You know, the uh, the turnaround from last season is just so stark to me, you know, know, knowing where you guys finished in the standings last year and how incredible this team has looked. And, and I should say, it's not just that you guys have like stumbled into some wins here. The team has, has looked uh, like fast, it has looked like an elite group this year. What do you pinpoint as the major changes from last year's team to this year's? Well, I think we've had some maturity in, in our younger players. Uh, we're healthy. We have, you know, both uh, Hughes and Heischer are, are playing well up the middle, and in the addition of Eric Paula has helped us. Uh, you know he's been uh, he's been great on both sides of the puck. I think uh, we've got a line of McLeod, Bastion, and Wood that has a lot of speed. Has been able to score his goals. So 
uh, you look at the group up front, we've got good speed throughout four lines. We've got four lines that are scoring. Um, and they've, they've got a little bit more experience on them. If you go to the back end, I think, you know, you can look at uh, uh, a couple of the acquisitions. You can look at Smith. You look at Marino. I think uh, both players have uh, have had a lot to our team. And Marino's uh, been a guy that's played against uh, all the top lines and has played very well. So, uh when you're looking at the key areas, uh, you know, forwards, defense, uh, some changes, uh, some players that have matured. You go to the goaltending. Uh, I think the acquisition, uh, Tom's acquisition of, of Vanacek has been has been uh, key for us, especially with the Blackwood injury and and really just uh, now Schmid stepping in and playing so well in the games he's played. You've been around a long time, you know, long stints in Buffalo and uh, Dallas. Uh, does this team feel different to you in terms of what you have to work with? And it's not just necessarily, you know, talented players, but maybe just more more guys, more competitive guys. I, what is it that stands out to you? Well, I think, you know, com- compete is a big word, yeah. And, I, you know, I think we, we all learned our lessons the last couple of years. I think, you know, we had, we had some really bad luck with goaltenders. Uh, the fact we had to use seven last year, the fact that uh, both our starters were out, uh, you know, it put us in quite a hole. And I think everybody realizes that you need, you need good goaltending. You need timely saves, big saves. And, and I think even through this stretch, uh, we found a lot of different ways to win. And we've got big saves. Uh, you go back to the Ottawa power play that uh, they could have won late in the game and in our building. And uh, we have Schmid go in for Vanacek that, uh, you know, got banged up a little bit and he stepped in, he made three or four great saves. So there's a lot of different pieces. Uh, but I think when you get on a roll, you know, it, it gets a little contagious. The, the fire really starts burning. Uh, and that is spread throughout the whole team. So, you know, like this, you want to just keep going. You know, looking at this group here, you know, I just see a ton of speed. And I even look at the back end, it seems like a fast group. I don't know that it seems like a big, heavy team. And I wonder, when you coach a team like this, do you say, okay, I'm going to coach to the roster and the talent I have? like, Or do you try to shape them into a way you want to play regardless of you who you have generally? Well, you know, I think I've struck some similarities uh, with this team with our 05, 06 uh, you know, kind of size-wise, speed-wise, uh, speed where, you know, we had a Breer and Drury and we had Roy Finneganoff, mm-hmm. uh, Thomas Vanek. So uh, we were four lines deep. We had, you know, we had a third line that was Roy, Vanek, and Finneganoff. Uh, you know, you look at the, a line like that, that that means your roster is pretty deep and we're scoring from, from all those areas. So uh, you look at, what we have right now, I, you know, I think we're even just a little bit deeper with uh, the fact that, you know, that line uh, that's called the BMW line uh, with McLeod and Bash and Wood is uh, is a tough line to play against. And a Miles Wood, who, you know, he's got as as much speed as as anybody in the league, and uh, Mike McLeod down the middle, who's um, been great on faceoffs and and has got good speed himself. So. Uh, yeah, we've got a lot of a lot of things that look similar to what I had uh, way back to that team. Got yeah, a BMW on a fourth line, man. That's uh, what were we? What were we, Lindsay? Lindy, uh, pickup trucks or 
beat up <laughs> Beatles? I, I think more like a dump truck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really, really impressed uh, when you guys played in Toronto uh, with the blue line. Uh, big, strong, mobile. Uh, Dougie Hamilton, a lot of eyebrows raised with uh, a $60 million contract. At times, Lindy, I, I would watch Dougie Hamilton, and you want more, and you even thought maybe at times uh, a little soft, but I, I don't see any of that. Uh, speak of his game. Yeah, Dougie has played really well. I, you know, I think he had a, a setback. He started the year really well for us last year, broke his jaw, and I, I really felt that that really had an adverse effect on his game. And um, you know, seemed to be a little tentative, uh, wore that face mask the whole year. But I, I think since day one of the season, um, you know, he's got back to what really makes him a uh, player, and that's uh, getting involved in the offense, getting pucks to the net. Incredible at uh, getting the net with the wrist shot he's got. But, you know, you mentioned the group. I think, you, you know, big group back there with uh, Siegenthaler, Severson. Um, you go to Dougie Hamilton, uh, Marino. Again, uh, you know, it's a group with a lot of reach, uh, can cover a lot of space. Uh, but I, I, right now I can't say enough about the job that really Ryan McGill has done with these guys uh, and, and how well they're playing back there. You know, we brought Ryan in uh, out of a very successful program there in Vegas, and uh, he's been fantastic with those guys. Lindy, I, I have to take this opportunity while I have you. I don't know if you know this, but my father-in-law is Clark Gillies, and I know you and Clark were close. And uh, Clark used to tell this story about when he had the opportunity to uh, get a, a coaching chance with the New York Islanders, that he actually handed off the homework to you. He got a, he says he got an in-person interview, but you did the homework for him. I never had the chance to ask you about this. Is that true? That's a true story. <laughs> Would you uh, fill in the full sheet or what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you know, he, uh, Clark, I mean, first of all, what a wonderful guy and yeah. dearly miss him. Um, good friend. Uh, you know, didn't know a lot of, about the coaching, but it just called. I got handed all these questions. Um, and I said, well, I can give you a hand with those, Clarky. <laughs> and uh, so, so we went through all the questions and he had the interview and, uh, I guess maybe some of my answers weren't good enough because he didn't get the job. <laughs> <laughs> he said you were a great tutor uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you know, what, what a great guy. Uh, so, yeah, that is a true story. Uh, I don't, you know, I think we went through all the questions. I don't know if I handwritten answers or anything for him, but we went through all the questions. Uh, and as you know, there's some pretty tough questions when, when it comes to how you want to deal with people and, you know, painting different scenarios with uh with stuff you have to deal with, with a co as a coach. We're talking to Lindy Ruff, head coach of the New Jersey Devils, as they get set to uh, win their 14th straight win or at least attempt one against the Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow night. Speaking of coaching, I want to follow up with a, a quote that I absolutely loved mm -hmm. from you. You said you can really know X's and O's really well, but, if, but you really got to get to know your players. Close your computer Get to know your players. Hold on for a second, Lindy. I'm going to shut <laughs> Justin's computer for a second here. Right, tune um, in, tune elaborate in. for me. Tell me, tell me where where the basis of that comment comes from. Well, you know, I think you you know that every every player brings something differently, and I, I really feel that as coaches, we 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 do got to we got to know our players. We got to know what uh, motivates them. You got to know what 
makes them tick. Um, you know, you, I think you just got to get to know them because, um, you know, every team has a system and you can go through the system every day, but I think there's a lot of value in, in stopping by the lunchroom and having lunch with players or just striking up conversations with them uh, before you get on the ice, talking about games, talking about previous games, talking about the game. And then sometimes not even talking about hockey. Um, you know, soccer is big right now. <laughs> not that I'm a big soccer fan, but uh, you can find out from your players, uh, you know, what they feel the World Cup that's going on in soccer. So um, there's, I think there's a lot to gain by just getting to know them um, and they get to know you at the same time. Last one for me, Lindy, is, is I've heard related to that that Nico Hishier there has really been a, a a turning point guy for you guys, obviously a, a major leader, but sounds like a guy who everyone is kind of a beloved teammate, great in the room, and uh, is getting comparisons to Patrice Bergeron. Is that praise all justified? Am I hearing the right things? Yeah, you know, and, and I, I've had the privilege of being around Bergeron at, uh, at the Olympics, and mm-hmm. I, I, can't say, I can't say enough about him. And now I think uh, where, where Nico's, Nico's game is at, um, great comparison. Uh, both great two-way players. Um, I know Patrice is all about doing things right and playing the game the right way and uh, offensively, defensively. And I, I really feel that Nico's game is, is right there with him. And if you're in the same breath with a Bergeron as a young player, you're in a great spot. Hey, did you really pull your groin riding a mechanical bull, or is Doug McLean full of crap? No, that is a true story too. That that is a say uh, that falls in the Lindy did something really stupid category. <laughs> but but you know what? It was it was a bet with Dwayne Sutter and I, and little did I know. Like I wrote it the first time reasonably well um and i didn't realize Dwayne paid the guy to uh to turn it way up <laughs> That's great. so so that is um, hilarious just another list of some foolish things i've done make sure that's on the list and not things to do while you're on a, a 14 game winning streak or 13 yeah, I haven't seen many cowboy bars around Newark, so I think I'm okay. <laughs> uh, speeches run a little differently when you got a, a heater like this going on, as Jack Hughes mentioned, or is it just, hey, uh, just another game? You know, we we're, we just try to keep getting better. You know, we focus on different areas of the game from from game to game. And, you know, we talked about if we can get this area a little better or some areas we've been struggling. Uh, We talked about first periods of play that, you know, I felt uh, we haven't been great at. So, and we have to deal with now. I think we're we're a team that's being hunted that, uh, you know, we know that teams are going to bring their best. You know that uh, they're studying us. They, They know our strengths. And, you know, usually every coach wants to take away the other team's you know, biggest strength. So it's being ready to deal with that. So, you know, that's really what we're working on right now. Well, I got to, I know you know uh, all about what's going on with the Leafs and their blue line and the injuries, uh, but that also kind of makes them a dangerous team a little bit on your side. Yeah, you know, I think uh, it, it was a, I thought we played well against them in Toronto. Um, 
we limited, you know, we limited their opportunities off the rush and tried to take away some of their strengths. Uh, and and again, it'll be uh, those details that'll give us a chance to to win tomorrow night. Really appreciate your time, Lindy. Thanks for doing this, and uh, wish you all the best. No, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Lindy. Appreciate Head it. Coach in New Jersey. Yep. Bye now. And uh, if anything goes sour for him and they they chant again, fire him, and you get a get a job uh, as an extra in Yellowstone <laughs> riding a, the mechanical yeah, bull. That's true. Don't you think? He, said, he seems like a legit, he's got some cowboy skills. Anyone who bets Dwayne Sutter about riding the mechanical bull is pretty confident they can handle it. I would have bet for sure Doug McClain kind of juiced up that story, but I think he undersold it now that <laughs> yeah. I think about it. That Dwayne actually yeah. uh, paid the guy to juice it up? That, that was funny. Yes, that is- it's true. <laughs> Your story, and then the like, oh, like, "Yes, it's true." <laughs> Lindy's like, he. If you talk to guys who played around Lindy's age, he's like everyone's buddy. Like he, you know, he's got a uh, he's got a lot of stories. Sounds like a fun guy who has managed to stay relevant, you know, by being open minded and connecting with players. And you know, he, he's brought a group of young players to a level where I don't know that a lot of people thought they could get to. All time legendary clip too of him going at Billy Smith. I don't think, have I seen it? Oh, he's in this on the Sabres, and he legitimately just flies at him. Like, turns around <laughs> from the blue line, full tilt, and, like, they meet in midair. You ever seen that clip? I'm sure I have. Oh, you I, must have seen yeah. that clip. Kipper? Am I talking? No. How have I? I'd have How to see it I, again. I, I thought you guys were the old guys. I'm the young guy. <laughs> so what they, I'll look it up, though. What do they need now? They need four to tie Pittsburgh. Is that the all-time consecutive win streak? Is seventeen so. or 17. something? I think the so. All-time longest unbeaten. I said the Flyers. That's what I was thinking of. They because there was ties. Thirty-five. Thirty-five. Unbeaten. Oh my God! Yeah. What? It's a yeah. Tiger Woodsian streak. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Toronto, Buffalo, Washington, and New York are their are their next four. Toronto. Rangers. Wow, that's a tough Toronto, schedule. Buffalo, Washington, and the Rangers. He made an interesting observation about his decor is that they're long and take up space. I called them not big. You know, like in terms of singing to physical guys, Dougie's not physical, Marino, those guys, but they're tall. You know, the way that they're... they're yeah, they're, they're just hard to play against. The Raptors defend particularly well because they got these long guys with big wingspans that work really hard. And I see some comparables to the decor of the Devils who are just long and yeah. sticks everywhere and in the way. It's annoying. It's annoying to play. Yes. You know, not that you're, like, worried about getting pasted. It's just like, God, can I have the puck for a minute? So do they do it? No. 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 They lose to the Leafs tomorrow. They do? It's a Leafs show. What do you mean? No, but I do mean that. I mean that you're sincerely gonna, as much as I'm... You put money on uh, Leafs to win tomorrow? If the Leafs are underdogs, I will. What is it? It's never the case. The Leafs are never underdogs because the books are too smart. Their Leafs have to be a dog. Have to be. There is no chance they're not a dog, Borny. Wouldn't, wouldn't they not know Morgan Riley's out of the lineup? Matt, right? Hall, That's they, a good point. Matt Hollowell is playing on the decor. They don't pay attention that much? <laughs> they They're just giving away t- their they money? They do pay attention. All right, you're probably both right. Let me see. They do look at it rather closely, fellas. Yeah. Uh, the odds aren't posted yet for that. Oh, yes, it is. The Leafs are underdogs. Uh, plus 120 a bet on the... So bet 10 bucks to win 12 additional dollars. That's... You'll take that. I would do that. Yeah, I think I will take that. That's about as good a value as you're going to get in the Leafs. I mean, Devils minus 142 to beat the Leafs. You don't want that. They're going to they're gonna lose eventually. That's the theory. Mm. So shut your computer 
and get to know your players is that that's a shot at you with your analytics you know what though i love that i truly do love that i felt when i coached coached you know whatever i did with the marlies uh with sheldon keith that there was a lot of days that it was like it was the you know, AHL. You play three and three. It's like it's the third game of a three and three. We traveled four <laughs> hours through the night. Like throw out the tape. Can we not watch it for a night? Are they? Uh, uh, by the way, as a video are, coach, you are, don't get to not watch the game. Are they heavy <laughs> analytic uh, program? The Leafs? No, Jersey. Uh, they do have. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they've got a guy. You know, Tyler Dello, yeah. a buddy of mine, was yeah. with the Oilers, and now he's with the Devils, and he's yeah. been there. He's their VP of hockey analytics. Was, was he talking to him? Shut your computer. Maybe. <laughs> no, Dell's the guy they want to have their computer open. I know, you know. But you could have gone away with get to know your players without shutting the computer part in <laughs> the true. equation. That's true. You could have just said get to know the guys. They are pretty fancy, though. But like, even, they are an analytics darling team. Oh, yeah. They love, they love all the – a lot of those guys there are good play drivers, and you put them all together, and weird, they drive a lot of play. But, I, you know, this is a greater point that Lindy's making here, and I, you know, speak with some people who coach in the minors and all that, and it is just like – The idea that, you know, like let's say in a three-on-three, would you not as a coach be a little easier on the guys about positioning or on in anything? Like is there ever a day where you just say go get it done, throw the puck out there and see if our guys can win? Because it doesn't really happen anymore where the coach just says, I trust you guys, take care of business. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, Yeah. that there has to be some sort of structure. This is, you know, I think this is the point that, you know, whether he's right or wrong, Jimmy Rutherford in Vancouver. He doesn't see Enough. that type of structure. He does. They he blew sees, another multi-goal lead, Kipper. Seven now. He, he, <sighs> he sees just throw out the puck and yeah. go and try to win a game. I just think there's times. I don't think, you know, when Sheldon Keefe talked about using his bullets early in the season, you cannot lean on guys 82 games. Like, there has to be some sense of trust where you say, I trust that you're going to be able to bring the energy for a night without me having to kick you in the butt 82 times. You know, I trust that, you know, you've got, you know where to be on the rink. And if you make a mistake, you don't need to hear it from me every time. Like, I just think that some of the best coaches like Joel Quenville, um, you know, some of the guys who've been along for around for a long time, I can go back to Arbor or Bowman. At some point you have to just say to know when to turn it up yeah, and to know that you can't keep it turned up. And I think that's what yeah. Lindy means by get to but know the guys as people. You don't make that decision until you've thoroughly checked out the standings. Right. And are you you telling me you've won three out of four? Are you telling me you've lost three out of a four? Mm-hmm. Are you telling me you're on a losing streak? When when do you when do you decide that? So to over your point, games? the players earn the right to have the coach not down their throat. I would think that that is the major uh, decision on what kind of Sheldon or Lindy Ruff you're getting on a day-to-day basis. Because early in the year when they're four and four, Sheldon is like calling out elite players yes. and saying this guy's not good enough. We need more from him. Now they're ten and five, and he's like Rasmus Sandin is actually the greatest defenseman in the league. You guys <laughs> have no super idea. Super confident. Elite. <laughs> yeah. We're getting elite. Finally, we get to have Mac Hollowell in. We've been waiting, waiting. for this opportunity. We don't need Riley or Mizen <laughs> or Brody. It's just a matter of time. So yes, I would say the lens of the standings uh, earns you a passive coach. We think it's time. Yes. All right. Uh, after the break, uh, what do we have? We got uh, Anthony Stewart. Yeah. Stewie. Stewie. Talk some leaves. Is this the first time Stewie's on or we found him? We had him last year. I know. 
I think he's been on one, maybe not. I don't know. I don't remember. What? I think it's the first time. Yeah. First time what? Having him on to this year. Yeah. Which is a little bit bad on my part. No, it's not. Yeah. I think I think we we ha- we had him and he blew us off. Or no, no, he's Dude, never blown us off. He would not do that. He is incredibly diligent with that kind of thing. Okay, so you. it's all on you then. You it's just have not invited him. It's on me. Oh, okay, that's a big difference. It is. Okay, we're gonna have Anthony Stewart, of course, uh, always entertaining on Sportsnet. Former NHLer. Good man. Looking forward to it. Okay, that and more. We're back. Real Kipper and Born. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. Leafs are practicing three-on-three hockey today. <laughs> oh, the boys must love it. Oh, if the coach comes in, says you're practicing three-on-three, what a delight. Would you go with, and let's bring on our next guest, Anthony Stewart, Stewie, how are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. How's everything? Well, uh, the Leafs get the three-on-three thing going, uh, I think, a lot better. Would you go with Matthews, Nylander, Giordano first or Tavares, Marner, and Lilligren first? I think I'll go with the latter, and here's my theory. Uh, they just seem to throw defense out the window the first couple shifts, yeah. as you can see by the last couple overtimes. So I think you got to weather the storm because overtime is very, very uh, boring for the first half or very, very exciting. So I think for them, they're a little helter-skelter to start uh, that overtime period. So I go with the guys that are a little bit more defensively responsible. But uh, with this Leafs team, they, they die by the offense and then live by it as well. Stewie, would your, would your coaches have put you out there 3-on-3 three three OT? You know what? I think so. I think so, because I was honestly one of the best guys skating through the neutral zone. I was like a young Scott Gomez, and believe it or not, I was always one of the first or second fastest guys on my team. So if they wanted a quick goal, if they wanted a quick goal for or against and get out of the building, because it's, uh, you know, you got the hot dogs ready or the chicken wings in Buffalo, they put me out there, I think so. I, I would have been in the shower by then. <laughs> you don't even need to oh, watch yeah. this. I'd be like a, a pitcher leaving the mound. I'm done. Thanks, guys. Good luck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is a different, uh, a different sort of hockey. So, where are you at on this Leafs team right now? You know, the record is pretty good. The expectations were really high going into the season, though. We haven't had you on the show yet yet to get your sort of overview on this Leafs team. Where are you at with this team? Are they better than last year? Well, I, I think we know the answer to that. I don't think they are. Uh, but again, you can't deny the numbers right now. Again, they had the abysmal October where they struggled mightily. Uh, and they seem to write the storm when uh, things were seen to be at a, a bit of a fork in the road. So they're currently sitting, what is it, third, I think, in the uh, in the conference right now, mm-hmm. you know, second behind Boston in their division. You know, they're finding a way to make it happen. But, you know, I have a memory like an elephant, a body like one as well, too. But I'm going back to Kipper's, uh, you know, Kipper's words last year where he said, if you want to go on a deep, deep run, you need nine defensemen. And people were scoffing at those comments. But you, you fast forward to this year and, you know, sort of last year in the playoffs, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see how they're going to get through the next couple of weeks here without really making a move. You have Muzzin, who is probably the most, uh, you know, stabilized D back there next to Brody. Brody's hurt right now too, and now you have your top defenseman in Riley. So, uh, for me, I'd have a little bit more faith in Lilligren and Sandine, but they should have went through these growing pains last year or the year before. The fact that they're thrust into the spotlight under this immense pressure right now with so much riding on the line. I think it's too much for them to handle to come in right now as number three and four. I'd like to have seen them be in this position this last year, 
so they can handle it. So that's the one concern right now. Yeah, they weathered the storm in November. You know, now they got to get to Christmas right now where, again, you got families coming in now. You're worried about some other things other than hockey. You know, it, it, it's, you know, it could be a recipe for disaster at this point. Who's got a better chance in the next uh, few weeks to to look better? Sandine or Lilligren for you? Uh, it's Sandine. It's Sandine. Uh, you know, you had the expectations of him sitting out and missing training camp saying, hey, I, I deserve a role, a bigger role with this team. And I actually believe that. I believe that. I think he should have got a bigger role, an opportunity a little bit earlier on. But I think now it's time to, you know, put up, as they say, uh, because you're going to have an opportunity right now. There's, there's three of your top defensemen out. You're going to probably get up into the 19, 20, 21 minutes a game mark now. Really show what you can do. And I think that's the one thing when talking about this roster right now. You know, they haven't had a guy come in at entry level in the last couple of years and really, really, you know, outperform their contract. And you look at all these teams that are competing. They have guys now that are in their entry level really putting up some numbers or really having a big, big impact right now. So, for Sandine, he's probably going to get some power play time as well. I'm not sure if they're going to go uh, maybe five forwards now on the D, uh, on the power play. I'm not too sure, but he's going to get an opportunity to show what he can do. And I think for him, he's just got to keep the you know keep it simple, make the routine plays routine. You know, he's flubbing on some pucks because I think he's just in his head and the nerves. And that's what we talk about this market. This market's not for everybody. It can make you, but at the same time, it can break you. So I think for Sandine, again, I, I think now with a little bit of breathing room and a little bit of cushion, knowing that he's going to be probably playing in the top four until Christmas, I think you're really going to see his game really start to break out. Yeah, I can see that for sure. And another guy they're kind of waiting on for that to happen with, you know, to a different levels, Nick Robertson. I, I know his name has been bandied about and talked a lot about over the past month or so, but, you know, he's in a weird situation. He sits out, what is it, four games tonight he's in, or sorry, tomorrow he's in, and he's on line with Tavares and Marner. What are your thoughts on how they've handled Nick Robertson's development so far? You know, Justin, you know. Uh, we've been know. talking this We've been talking this since pre-pandemic. We've been talking about this since 1995. <laughs> no, uh, I think, <laughs> you know, it, I go back to Ottawa Senators, right, with Thomas Shabbat. You know, they put him in a number one defensive role through hell and high water. He was playing 25, 26, 27 minutes a night, whether he threw one pizza, two pizzas, zero pizzas. So eventually he turned into that player that, you know, they wanted him to. So I think with Robertson, is he a scorer? Is he a checker? Is he a top six? Is he a middle six? Is he a bottom line player? You don't know what you have. And for now going into, what is it, year three? I know there's been some injuries. To really not know what you have with the prospect, you know, I think that's just a failure of the system, right? And again, I'm trying to stay as positive as possible, but that's one player right now, and you're seeing his brother right now stepping into the league, going into a top six role right away, putting in a position to succeed. So I think for him, uh, he's... Uh, he fell off a cliff. He just, he, Thelma and Louise, he just drove off the side of the cliff. You go. Here, no, I'm him. back. Oh, I'm back. back. <laughs> that was, uh, that was, uh, that was, uh, Nick's agent there saying good job, but sorry about that. Uh, put him in a top six role, leave him there for 10, 12, 15 games. See what you really have. Because again, it's just, we don't know what we have with this player. Again, if you don't think he can play in your top six, okay, maybe put him down in the Marlies, let him get some more experience. But him sitting in the stands eating popcorn, I don't think it's good for anybody right now at this point. So it's the system or or Kyle and Sheldon not uh, committing enough? Uh, I don't know. I, can you? Is it safe to say, you know, he's not the coaching staff's cup of tea, right? But I'll, I'll chalk it up so. to especially to this year that there's so much riding on this season where it is day-to-day. 
So, you know, you're seeing a lot of these movements, you know, players going on waivers, players going up, players going down, you know, calling up guys from the minors. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to figure things out daily. So there's not a lot of stability, I think, in the organization. So I think he's sort of getting lost in the shuffle for a bit. But, again, I, I think for you, you see what he's done in preseason. He had a really good preseason. You know he can skate. He can go up and down the wing. He can really shoot that puck. I think he just needs that opportunity. But it's confidence. It's confidence. I go back to, uh, you know, my days where, you know, I had 20 points in the American League one year, and then I went to a camp at Atlanta Thrashers, and I had Craig Ramsey said, hey, I know you struggled last year in the minors. You're going to be on this team last year, this year. Just go out and play. Whatever you think you are in your mind, just go out and do that. Play within the confines of the system, but just go. And I went from 20 points in the minors the year before to almost having 40 in the NHL. But it was just a coach that believed in me, that let me make mistakes, but actually said, hey, just go and do your thing, kid, and don't worry about making mistakes. And I think that's a big, big thing, especially with the young, young players these days. Give them an opportunity to fail. Don't peel them in and out of the lineup. I know there's a lot of expectations in the National Hockey League, but give them a chance to fail. With with Sheldon's attention to defense, and we can mm-hmm. hear it constantly in his post-game comments, uh, he, he won't give Nick Robertson that same benefit that uh, Anthony just mentioned. No, and he probably should. I love that idea. And, you know, I'm doing an article on Shane Wright right now. Same thing in uh, Seattle. You know, young guy turns the puck over once, sits on the bench for a full period. Like, don't you anticipate these guys should have be allowed to be 18, be 20, make mistakes? I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I was told, you know, I used to be able, I was told, Stuart, when Sundin's on the ice, get off the ice. And here I am now almost going on a breakaway. And the coach berating me because, well, I told you, get off the ice. I'm like, I was on a break with it. We don't care. Get off the ice. <laughs> but just imagine if you're trying to play that, and then you go sit in the stands for 12 games afterwards. Just that confidence. It's all about confidence uh, and being just put in a position to succeed. But, you know, going in and out of lineup, not really having a role, I think that really, really is the main culprit of, of what's struggling right now with Nick Robertson. For me, it, it just depends on, on where you, those clubs are. And you mentioned Shabbat and Ottawa, team that's been in the, the basement. Uh, Seattle all of a sudden isn't a basement feeder now, right? When Hackstall's job may be on the line again if uh, with another bad start like he had last year, I don't think he's got time for Shane Wright. Yeah, but you look at a team like Colorado, right, with Bowen Byram. Yes, yes, he is a, he's a lottery pick, top-end pick. But this is a player that he came in, he had some injury problems. Then he had a major injury where he missed a substantial amount of time, essentially a full year. And did he come back and did they say, well, you know what, let's put him in the minors or let's mess with it? No, they put him right back where he was, where he was slotted to be. And they let him have and let him play, just let him play his way out of it. So I think that's what it is, where it's that constant jerking back and forth, up and down, not knowing what you're having. And the fact that, you know, now you're being asked about it every day, it's just a, a perfect storm of things that's making it uh, bad for uh, Nick Roberts right now. But I think with Shane Wright, you know, this kid was supposed to be the next one up to, you know, five years ago, right? So he is a great player. He's a talented player, but that is another situation. You cannot play six minutes. Unless for me, I put up 20 points with six minutes with uh, a defenseman as my winger. Shout out to Derek Jocelyn. But as a young kid, Sitting on the bench, getting cold, getting yelled at, getting bag skated. The kids these days cannot handle that. So you got to set them up for success. Give them the leash. Let them show. Let them show you. Let them fail. Give them a chance to fail. 
before making the decision for them. I think that's the thing they got to do with today's young players because the, the barometers now are the, the Hughes and the Matthews and the McDavid's. And I'm seeing it now in minor hockey. There's so much pressure. There's kids now. They're devastated that they didn't get exceptional status. And they call it exceptional status for a reason. You have to be exceptional. Uh, but I'm seeing it now. There's a wave and generation of kids when they're not when they're not coming in and putting up 100 points like they did in tight hockey. It's devastating. They don't have the mental resources, mental health resources to really, really deal with that. And that's going to be a big, big problem now where people are going to say, what's going on with the players from Canada? Why are they struggling? Why aren't they reaching uh, you know, expectations? So I'm seeing it on the ground level. And I think it's going to have a triple up effect if they do not address it. It's okay. It's okay to go play for the Rochester Americans for four years and five years. Derek Roy, Pomnanville, uh, Clark MacArthur, all these guys went down, you know, perfected their trade, learned what it was to be a pro. Sometimes it takes two, three years. Uh, and you're going to see a lot of players now, especially coming out of college at 23, 24 years old, uh, late bloomers that are really going to be the next generation of superstars uh, you, in the league, I think. You know how patient the next generation is right now? <laughs> <laughs> they've had everything this is one-stop shopping generation they get everything at the at the, at the grocery store veruca salt all around <laughs> so stewie let me ask you like you know i want to ask you about minor hockey a little bit i was texting with a couple of my cousins we all got kids in the minor hockey system does anybody get to have fun playing hockey anymore it sounds like it's a machinery like it sounds like it's just meant to churn people out He's just starting with your kid. I know, Kipper, it's and it's tough. a misery already. They're <laughs> <laughs> recruiting and, eight-year-olds. And, and this is tough to say, and I, I, this is going to actually hurt my recruitment, uh, you know, next year. I haven't won a playoff round. I've been coaching for eight years, and I haven't won a playoff round. Yeah. And here's a guy that played in the National Hockey League, played professional hockey for 12 years, and I'm coming back now, and it's tough for me to, to put a winning team in because I don't preach winning championships and and, you know, trying to be the first-place team, right? I, I coach teams with underdog players uh, that, um, you know, are, are, are considered superstars, and I teach them to play the game the right way. I teach uh, the game in, in the way that I failed. I didn't play a good two-way game. I was the, the minor hockey superstar that scored 100 goals, 100 points in my Bantam year, junior star. Then I get to the league, I can't play a lick of defense. I didn't know how to kill a penalty. Yeah. So we're teaching these kids to play the game the right way, to have fun, uh, focus on development, focus on skating. Do you know how many kids can't skate post-pandemic about these two years? Skating is awful. So if you're a skating coach and you want to make some money, come on down to the local <laughs> hockey factory because you'll make a killing. Meat market. Just, come on yeah, down. There's so, much, so much emphasis on wins and losses and it's it's tough because you're in the buildings and you're seeing the coaches lose their mind and they're snapping and they're swearing and they're calling the refs for penalties and and i'm just sitting there like you know yeah what's for breakfast after this game because it's it's not about the wins and losses it's about getting the kids better having them have a fun atmosphere inclusive atmosphere but i think it's a symptom of a big big problem that i think canada's going to have when it comes I to agree. players there's so much emphasis on winning and being the best of the best. And I always, I, I hate using the example because he was a really, really good player. You know, player, my son is Mitch Marner. Why are you trying to turn him into Zach Hyman or Cal Clutterbuck? I'm like, Cal Clutterbuck's going to retire with $20 million in the bank. And he was a fourth line guy in junior high. I wish I was Cal Clutterbuck. So it's like, you know, it's just the, the, the parents. And again, the funny fact is that, you know, these parents are very, very successful in walks of life. But when it comes to minor hockey, and I'm not pointing the finger, they just seem to lose that awareness and those yeah. senses. So 
uh, I've gotten ahead of it, and that's why, you know, my charity, Hockey Equality, has got, you know, did a deal in partnership with the NHL uh, and the GTHL because we're trying to do things the right way and not just produce champions on the ice, but good citizens and the next generation of leaders off the ice as well. I'm, I'm sorry. Did you say on our show you, you can't win a playoff round? <laughs> You know our audience, right? You hear that, Leaf Nation? It's not about the wins and losses. It is, oh, though. It, it is good to hear. Like, you know, like my son goes out there and he, he sticks his straw up his nose and drinks his water that way. And meanwhile, the coaches are like, stick position. It's like, you know, it's not. And mine do snow angels. Yeah, like... it's, it's just intense, man. It's just a game. Anyway, sorry. I needed to get your feedback on minor hockey because I need to vent. Nice. Um, one more before I let you go. Okay. And you can't yeah. give me the old. Uh, He's having the same slow start he had last year. Where are you on Austin Matthews and your eye test? Uh, okay, I, mean, I can't give a political answer here. Again, I don't think he's going to be getting the, the 70 goals as predicted as, uh, you know, uh, before. But I think it's – I don't think he's getting to those dirty areas as, as he did last year. I think he scored probably 15, 20, just going around the net, tipping pucks. You saw his goal last night that he scored – I think he had probably about you know eight or nine in that area last year, where that seems like the first time this season that he got a redirect, uh, you know, going to the net. So again, he could be nursing an injury, bumps and bruises. They call it the tough area for a reason, but he just seems he's more on the perimeter. And you know, you're looking at the power play. You know, he's rovering around. He's you know the one T option. He's the flank, left flank on the other side. So I think he's just trying to get into the rhythm. But there's that expectations, right? When you score sixty plus goals. You know, you want to do it every single year. But there's nothing wrong with being a 45-plus, 55-plus uh, uh, guy every year in the running for the Rockets. So I think expectations were a little bit high coming into the season. But let's not forget, again, he's a guy that can put up 10 goals in six, seven games and get back into the race here too. So, yeah, I'll admit it. Yeah, it's a bit, bit off. Uh, but the team is having some success. But when the uh, going gets a little bit tougher now in the second half of the season, they're going to need a lot more uh, production and big, big goals uh, from Austin Matthews going forward. Anthony, a lot of fun, man. Welcome back on the show. Don't be a stranger. All right. Thanks a lot. Go Leafs, go. Thanks, Dewey. Anthony Stewart, hockey analyst with Sportsnet, former NHLer, and a guy on occasion can make us laugh. Oh, yeah, he's great. Um, <laughs> Do you think he, he kind of touched a little bit? Maybe Austin's feeling the expectations of being a 60 goal scorer or the to to win rocket Richards every year uh like Ovi has like, you weren't you weren't here on Friday as you were playing quail hollow yeah. and shooting 83 yeah. which is pretty nice if you're out there Way um I know but uh I had a theory about Matthews and you know the climb and you're you're trying to get first overall you get drafted first overall and you try to show you're the best in the world and you win the heart and you win the, you know, whatever, Rocky Richard and all that, some vindication and all that, it would only feel natural to me to say everyone said to him now, the only thing that matters is team success. You've accomplished everything. Uh, it would only make sense to me to exhale for a minute and come into the season and just be like, all right, I don't have to go out right away and prove I'm the greatest in the world every single night. And I know Connor McDavid has that and plays that way. They're different people. I wonder if, 
not lack of inspiration, but lack of desperation to prove you're that guy coming out of the gate this year? Yeah, something's something's there. Yeah, it's not as right? dominant. Oh my gosh, it's not we were particularly dominant. It was <clears throat> the last few years. It was McDavid, Matthews, and everybody else. Mm-hmm. And Matthews has not had a season that would show that again this year. No, Matthews is now. In the mix of others, but he, it was one and two. And our boy Sammy argued that Matthews once upon a time was better than. (laughs) And and it was. Takes I regret number one. No, you shouldn't because he was at a level that. Mid season last year, it was ridiculous. Could make an amateur like you think that. (laughs) That's how good Matthews was. He's fourth on the team in scoring, and I know it's by a couple points, but it's funny. Like, you know. there hasn't been a sense of McDavid still dominates. Yeah. And yep. we have not seen that yet. No. And forget about the numbers. Forget about yeah. what pace he's on. Just strictly that eye test that made you feel like if he wasn't regarded as the best player in the world, he was the second one. I know. And I would love to hear from people out there with their own theories because, you know, everyone off, you know, no one wants to go on the record and say, I don't know, does he, what's his, is he taking I care had, of himself? Is he working his hardest? Is he? I had, you know, a few people ask me, you think he's in shape? Yeah. You think he's at what whatever success he's had, is he at the same level of fitness? Yeah. Because he doesn't seem to have that extra push or that. Uh, and that's just trying to figure dude, out what right? it is exactly. That I always go back to that Dallas game where he just got abused. Multiple times in that game. The one where he took a hard cross check from Ben. He yeah, I hear that theory he too. Cra- that he he's crashed, like nagging. In, he crashed into the boards hard against, like, it just seems, like, outside of the Buffalo game where he's pissed off at the Sabres, who he hates, he just, he was so physical early in the year. He was. Like, it was just, remember we would come on here and we're like, you remember, he, I don't know who it was, but he smoked somebody in early in the season. And it was so great. And we were all excited about how physical we were playing. Do you think there's a chance it just caught up to him? Quickly, here's like the thing: that, not, that that's not his game, and now he's kind of shying away from it because he's hurting. But that Dallas game was the fifth game of the year, and I think he had like a goal and two assists sure. at that point. Like it I, wasn't like he was filling the net up till that yeah, moment. I, or something. I don't think it's a physical thing with him right now. I don't think he's hiding an injury or he's. Um, I, I mean, he's just not playing as well. I mean, we've all had stretches like that too. But there's, I think it's silly to go. Well, his shot rate is still the same, or his shooting percentage is down. You know, and, and once it normalizes, like, I, I mean, I'm watching the games. It's not, he's not getting robbed of three goal nights every night he's out there right now. Wouldn't mind having a down year, top nine already. Yeah, yeah, score 40, of 40 goal pace down year. And had the winning goal until they, Eric Schalgren threw one up the middle. But they don't appear to be a, a team that uh, overall, forget Matthews for a second, but overall are are this big offensive threat like we've we've seen that could be part of it too you know they're just not spending as much time in the ozone with the puck creating chances like they a few years ago they were this like high octane team with puck possession and the ability to score and counter attack and Mm -hmm. fly into the zone and matthews had like two guys draped on his back and still drive into the net like, yeah. it just doesn't seem to be – they don't seem to be that team anymore, and I don't right. think they're coached 
that way. What's funny is they have the same or not quite the same, but very good like actual possession numbers, but their chances are way down. So they do just have it a lot. You know, like they just kind of circle about and they have control, but they don't get inside. And I was just upset to like when we were there last night, you know, you're sitting that close, you're expecting him to be really breathtaking that close. And it, I don't think he had the puck. It, like, I, I don't want to say I barely noticed him. He scored a goal, yeah. which, you know, is a good tip or whatever. But it compared to Willie up close and Marner and even Tavares with a couple toe drags and his work mm-hmm. along the boards, I be, like, I barely noticed him at times, yeah. which is shocking for what we were talking about last year. So, um, yeah. No doubt about it. So you asked Dewey what your ideal three is. If the Le- so the Leafs go to overtime tomorrow against the Devils. Who are you putting out there for your first three, you two? Uh, so I like Willie. We decided Willie's uh, the guy here. I think they're best three-on-three player. Can someone defend? Is this from the guys we have available tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Geo? Mm-hmm. No, is he too slow to go first against the Devils' top guys? Probably I too slow. I think so. I don't know. After the what we witnessed here against New Jersey, is Tavares too slow to be out there three-on-three? Yeah, see, I'm not as worried about that because I don't care if Tavares gets passed. I care if the last guy back gets passed a lot. Mm-hmm. Which Morgan was caught off the wall. Yeah. Taking away a pass that was a least threatening right. position. Mm-hmm. I you know, I wonder about, you know, you don't want to bypass the four best obvious forwards. So Willie and I guess Matthews, because he's Austin Matthews can, can shoot it in with Justin Hall. Mm. Justin Hall, that's my first first guy. I like Hall. Sticking with it. I like Hall. That, He'll if play I, D. If I have one surprising take coming out of the game last night, watching up close like that, that I got a little bit of appreciation for Hall. Did not see that coming. Rangy. Quite rangy. Long, Long rangy, yeah. good sticks, cycle not killer. not like he's never had success No, here. I know. But, right. but people right. have been killing him all year. But watching him up close, it's like you see it. He's long, rangy, good stick. Not great with the puck. No, but he can get it going the other way yeah. anyway. Get it off his, you know, out of your end of Listen, the... Listen, I've said this, that, you know, I've, I don't know how aggressive. I still haven't got a sense, uh, talking to people, how really aggressive they've been to to move him or, you know, get loses $2 million. Um, but I always saw value for a 6-2 right-handed D who at times can show that he can play 16, 18 minutes a night. Yeah. No, he's, I think if they're talking about it right now, it's a no-brainer. Like, you know, their D struggles and he's been fine. Like, he's not a problem. Like, Alex Kerfoot had come up quite a bit in the offseason. You know, is that, would they want to move his three and a half? For what? Well, that's a good point. He's he's scored, like, one goal in the last 19 or 20 games. He hasn't scored since October 20th. I think yeah, he's got for, for a guy he got, that two constantly goals on the year? gets looks with Matthews and Tavares. You think one one might go in? One off his ass. <laughs> yeah, he had, a, he had a really good chance last night. He put it off just for, he has not, a goal and five assists on the season, six points, tied with Callie Yarncroft behind David Camp. He needs one of those soccer nets from the World Cup to shoot in. <laughs> <laughs> it's only fair. Get the guy a bigger net. <laughs> Nick Robertson has a one point less than him in, you know, half the games. It is it is interesting. He's in a contract here. So they're bumping him down. 
He's down. He's now down in the bottom six. Kerfoot, Holmberg, and Yarncroft. <sighs> what? Right. That is just so. All right. Just talk about I, some I, other teams. I, I, just one more note, just okay. for Nick Robertson. It's it is a good move to to try to up the pace a little bit mm-hmm. with Nick in the lineup. Like yeah, he should should help you kind of keep up a little bit. I just think it's so hard. It's so hard when you're not in and you don't play much and every mistake you make is scrutinized. Like, I truly believe, I get your point you're making on Seattle and Hackstall, and it's like, if they go out and they're 4-12 and 12 to start the season, yeah. like, maybe he doesn't yeah. get to coach the hockey team anymore. So I'll worry about Shane Wright later. I'm going to worry about putting the best guys out there. I get that idea. But I also think for a guy like Robertson, it's brutal to play as a skill guy, a guy who's supposed to create offense and you're not allowed to make a mistake. Hey, hey, but... You know, what are you supposed to do? It's like, well, make a play. It's like, well, I have to take a chance to make a play. I get the salary cap has changed the dynamics, but not too many guys got the luxury unless you are a a top pick and you run the risk of embarrassing someone like a scout or a GM Mm. that, you know, here's your chance. Make it or break it. That's all. And we're not patient people. And we'll keep you until we... Don't keep you. Yeah. And for some, that's a short leash. For some, it's a little longer. But from generation to generation, that really hasn't changed. You have to perform when you are given the opportunity. Yeah. End of story. Yeah, you don't just get to go be bad for a long time. No, No, especially the goal scorers. And I was one out of junior. So I've experienced it where it's like, um, hold on, you scored how many goals in junior? And how many have you not scored so far? Yeah. Uh, okay, like, okay, next. It is different. Like, I watched, and you know, I told you guys I did the Shane Wright thing, and I watched him be above the puck and work on the forecheck and try to do all those things. He's just light. He's young. Like, at 18, I was, you know, made of rice crackers. Like, you could have blown me over. And, I'm, you know, I'm on the ice, and that's what he looks like to me. But he's in the right it, positions. He's 5'9", too. No, no, Shane Wright's six feet. No, no. I'm, I'm oh, sorry. that's what I mean. So yeah. this is where yeah. I'm going with that. Yeah. Is Nick I can, Robertson is... I can see what Shane Wright can do if he can't yes. score. I can't see it as much with Robertson. And, what and would Nick, you say Nick's, you, do. you do here? And Nick is 5'9". Yeah. I was thought he's a little bigger than that. Is that right? Is he 5'9"? I don't know. I think, he he, I, think he, I think they say he's 5'11". Hmm. Just looking it up right now. His yeah. brother's six, two. Not being uh, Nick Robertson, I not? believe, was a preemie baby. I believe J- he was a JC. very small kid his whole life. Like he's, he's five ten. He's five nine on NHL.com. Okay, yeah. His See, brother is a beast. That's tough. Like you have to. You you got to be almost built like Marty St. Louis to play at five Quads eight five nine. Yeah. Well, if you're not going to score, the, you know. So this is where I've come around on Malgan. Is that. You don't have to hit people and be tough and whatever, yeah. but... He's a little guy, too. Morgan. When we were on the oh ice last night, yeah. just being down at ice Snap level... Snap his ankles like a wishbone. He's... <laughs> kind of looks like you want to contest. He's a little feller. <laughs> kind of looks like you want to contest. <laughs> but, but, but listen, I was going to say, he tracks the puck hard and gets a stick in there and does it with some conviction, yeah. and he gets back on the right side of the puck, and yeah, there's times he's going to lose puck battles because he just can't move the men in the league but you know for Robertson I think that's still a chore right now is being really effective without it and I know that that we've talked about that many times but it it is harder when you're his size not Shane Wright's size to do that and to at least even be perceived as doing that because you look smaller 
there is that factor too. Some just perception. He looks little. Well, he'll get another opportunity to win Sheldon Keefe over tomorrow night. Yes. Now, you know who doesn't look little? I was going to say quickly, another housekeeping note. We were talking earlier in the show about guys who were on the top power play unit that make around that kind of money. Somebody texted in, and then I checked it. Victor Hedman, not on the lightning top power play unit. Sorry, good, Jeff. Hmm. See, I'm I'm racking my brain right now, and I don't think that has been the case when they've won their cups. Right now? Yeah. Sergeyev is on their top unit. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some churn, but Ve- yeah. Hedman, I, yeah, he's been the guy there for years on the top unit. And, and shout out uh, Fan590 host Brent Gunning, who did some uh, Stevie Fallon work for me and sent me a list of all the guys that make over the money that he does. Love it. And uh, most of them are on the top units here. I'm searching through, and most of them are on top units. Yeah. So, what are you saying? Go. I was kind of right? Yeah, well, it's, there's first time for everything, Kip. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what else do you want to go with? Uh, did you watch Jamie Benn fight did, Josh Manson? No, no. Did did Zach Hyman watch it? Because uh, remember earlier in the year, uh, Zach and Jamie Benn kind of had that little uh, oh yeah he, kerfuffle, and they just Ben knocked his stick yeah, out just of his knocked hand, his stick yeah. right out of his hand. Yeah. So I, I, I think Zach probably I had a good chuckle from that fight last night. I was saying to Sammy before the show, like, can you imagine what a wide berth of room that earns Josh Manson for the rest of his career? Like, Jamie Benn is one of the biggest, strongest hombres in the league, and Josh Manson just knocked him out. Josh Manson's got that pedigree toughness, you know? See, like, is his dad do you know, Charles? Do you know, uh, I think the Leafs... <laughs> I don't think... The, I think the <laughs> Leafs paid a higher price for Mark Giordano than Colorado did for Josh Manson. Is that true? I can't be right. I think he might be right. God damn it. <laughs> well, so what are you saying? The Leafs wouldn't have preferred Josh Manson? They obviously couldn't have got him, right? Why couldn't you have got him? No. There's no way Josh Manson was available and they chose Mark Giordano. Well, how did Colorado get him? Well, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> Sammy's on Sammy, it. what was the trade? Oh, was there contract related? What was? Well, uh, he needed Josh, a new deal. And jo- he got a new deal. They Josh, did- he was traded for uh, Drew Hellison. And a second round pick in the 2023 draft. Okay. And then Giordano came with uh, Blackwell, right? So it was. Yeah, Blackwell was useful and he's an NHLer. He, it was uh, with Colin Blackwell for uh, two second round picks and a third round pick. It's mm-hmm. so good. Blackwell ain't that good. Not that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can X out the third there for it, Blackwell. It, it would have been the fact that they don't want, they didn't want to give that up, I guess, and 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 lose. What didn't want to give up another second? Well, they didn't Josh want, Manson, well, the exact I, guy I, I they know need. It's it's that they didn't want to do that and then have lose Josh because you couldn't afford to keep him. Right. So what? Uh, it's what true. It, because yeah, Muzzin was right? still here and on and the books. And you've already had a couple of bad experiences with Felino. But did Josh right. Manson well, sign this offseason? He did, yeah. yeah he he did. Signed, signed a nice deal. Yeah, and what was it? Four? I'm just looking right now. I want to say four and a half. He's really effective, and I know sometimes he chops yeah, up the puck was, a little bit. It was a four-year, $18 million contract, cap hit, four and a half. Oh, I love that contract. Four and a half. Contract. It's a great deal for the So abs. that could have gotten done if you would have been right. able to give... Uh, Muzzin. No, no, uh, or Hull. Lose Hull's $2 million and maybe make the decision of uh, moving off of, uh, I don't know, even Lilligren. Josh Manson is, yeah. Josh Manson's 31. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, me neither. See, I, I mean, I, I would have gone after Josh. Well, Manson. yeah. 
last year. Yeah. At the uh, trade deadline. For sure, you'd be in a pickle, or you would have been in a pickle the offseason with all the, the contracts. But yeah, there could have been a way around it. So, Dream Killer, a.k.a. Patrice Bergeron, got 1,000 points last night. 1,000 points. You know what's really impressive Just to retire me? Now. Is how now you're you can good. be gentlemanly in the NHL. Like, why aren't people like. No one spears him in the throat or eggs him Don't on after the whistle. They, no, they just let him be. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you're a great player, Austin Matthews, or you're Daniel Sedin, or you're whoever, people come at you and they, they you know, they challenge you. You know, what is the deal? Has he got that big of a free ride in your mind? I, I would say no one challenges Bergeron. I'm not going to call it a free ride. He plays in the NHL and between the whistles, guys are physical on him, but I don't think guys are in, in his ear. Yo mama jokes or anything <laughs> That's what the NHL guys do right Yo mama jokes You know what the most amazing thing is in Boston Is you look at uh, Bergeron and, and Krejci And they take up all but three and a half million dollars On the cap <laughs> now, I, Oh I, my god money. <laughs> By the way Josh Manson Bergeron should just quit Just quit right? You got a thousand points just quit I hear Josh Manson had a no trade to Canada I, uh-huh. I got a text Anyway Okay so he's just not interested Doesn't want to be here Nope not doing it um, but 12, yes, three and a half million. 1,235 games, 409 goals, 591 assists, 1,000 points for Patrice Bergeron. Cup, couple gold medals. Man. Stud. And still, I can't. Yeah, 18 looking points. as good as he's ever. 18 points in 19 games from this year so far. Right back on that Selkie Drives track. me crazy. <laughs> Why didn't he just retire? <laughs> Go away. It's so funny. Before the show, uh, they're 17 and 2, boys. Before we came on, I was like, they're not a 17 and 2 team. I was like, let's look at their, pulled up their roster. It's like, God, they're really good all over. (laughs) Felino's healthy. He appears healthy and and playing well. I sat beside Kipper and I was like, they're not that good. I was like, Zach is not that good. I went through the list and went, boy. Is that their only bad? <laughs> no, no six, not He's that like, great. Greer, AJ Greer. Like, yeah, Greer's had a pretty good run so far. Grizzlick, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, Clifton, Anton Boy, Strollman. Lindholm, like just a mule stud. They're gonna be tough minute to muncher. Like Charlie Coyle's there, three C, playing with Taylor Hall and Trent Frederick, who's been a really nice, you know, sort of Boston toughness. And there, young. there are, and there's talk about Pat Kane to Boston. What? Yeah, let him go. What? <laughs> What's he got? Oh, gee. This is my point, nightmare. <laughs> 14 points in 18 games for Kane. If they end up with Pat Kane. I'm probably just going to fold it up. You're not coming to work. Nope. You're done. Um, I'll just find you at uh, the the Shear Club in Coach Bank. Yeah, letting us I'll back de- in. I'll definitely get in there with <laughs> you, Did you, you find Drake No, last I didn't night? see him last night. No. You didn't see him last and night. And he was right? singing at the piano bar. So... Couple quick things. Housekeeping notes for tomorrow. Yes. Just a reminder, we're only one hour tomorrow um, because of the Canada soccer. Uh, a kick in the grass oh, with um, Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair, ours, ours truly over here. Uh, Derek Brandeo involved, the Van de Sang. And then, uh, yeah, so there you go. That's the housekeeping. So we're you've only waited an hour. a long time for this. Yeah. I mean, are you going to sleep tonight? Is this like your Christmas Eve? I am really, really excited. Match day at the World Cup featuring Canada tomorrow. So Unbelievable. I, so I, before we, I do your show, I'm going to Cafe Diplomatico to do an hour with our good friend J.D. Bunkus to talk about soccer. So I'll be down there from 10 to 11, maybe have a little uh, light lunch like we had last <laughs> night. Then I'm heading, I'm heading uh, south up here to do the show with you guys, watch the game with you guys. I can't wait. I can't wait. 
I mean, you're doing a soccer show, you do a golf show, you do our show. What can Swiss I say? Army Night. Love sports. And a master at none. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our thanks. Lindy Ruff, head coach of the New Jersey Devils, for joining us. Anthony Stewart. Always fun. Great energy. Our thanks to him. Off night. Come on, Canada. Don't be going Get to the Sheer Club without me tonight. Are the Raptors going tonight? Sammy? Quiet night. Quiet night. Get to bed early, okay? You know it. Big day tomorrow. Canada, World Cup. Let's go, team. Leafs, Devils, and we're back tomorrow. Real Kipper and Born. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Give us a rating and review if you get a chance. Thumbs up on YouTube. Have a great night, everybody.